Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. Hey guys, welcome to Hunting Stories. I'm your host, Eric, from Late to the Game Outdoors, and uh, just so excited that you're here tuning in. Today, I've got a mule deer story. Uh, it's a rifle hunt story, uh, so kind of totally different from the story previous and trying to just hit all avenues of the things you might be into hunting and the weapons you might be into using. Uh, this is actually the story of my first big game harvest ever. So, uh, super quick background. I went on my first hunt ever in my life when I was 20, uh, with my future father-in-law. I was engaged and for Christmas he gave me a cow elk tag and set me up with a whole bunch of hand-me-down gear and I didn't get anything and I made some stupid mistakes and I'll tell that story later. Uh, then we moved away and like started having kids and did all this life stuff. So I really didn't do much hunting except for a season or two where I went out with him uh, and just was just blindly following. And they were those hunts where you're basically just taking your rifle for a walk because we didn't see anything. Then like right about 30, I, age 30, I started getting just deeply passionately into hunting. Like I wanted to take control. I wanted to live this lifestyle. I wanted to hunt multiple times a year. And so I was trying to figure it all out. And I had been, uh, drawing a deer, a rifle deer tag about every other year. That's just sort of the way it works for the units we were putting in for. And up to this point, I had just been borrowing like an ancient 30-06 from my father-in-law, which was a fine rifle. It, uh, it shot well. It was gracious of him to lend it to me. But I was just made myself a promise. Like, okay, the next time I draw a deer tag, I'm buying myself a rifle. And so sure enough, I finally drew and went and bought myself a rifle. And and now I'm, I am the ultimate DIY guy, like just love to figure things out and mess with it myself. I uh, haven't done that with a bow yet, probably because of this story. Uh, but anyway, I uh, was going to mount the scope and, you know, YouTubing all the how-to. And uh, everyone talked about, you know, the little inch-pound screwdriver you're supposed to get. And I thought, well, pff, I'm not. I've already spent this money on a rifle and a scope. I'm not, like spending extra money on this tool like surely my my forearm and wrist can just sort of feel what 18 inch pounds feels like the, if you know anything about setting up rifles you can see where this story is going already uh but basically i torqued that that scope down way too much which creates often uh some problems with consistency and accuracy i don't even still know the science of why but if you over torque it it can essentially make it so that you have like in a group of three, you've got two that are dead on and one that's like seven inches off. I, it, it's science. Anyway, uh, we finally go out to hunt and I've got my new rifle and I'm all pumped and I'm just like, there's this poetic story forming in my mind of how I'm going to take this new rifle and I'm going to harvest my first deer and it's just going to be, the pictures are going to be epic. It's going to be beautiful. And so we go out to what is... I believe he's technically, he's my cousin-in-law. There's probably a something removed in there, but we'll just call him my cousin-in-law. Uh, he's a farmer in uh, kind of the the sticks southwest of the Phoenix area. And he uh, he run, one of the farms he kind of manages and is in control of is this giant alfalfa field that at the time was just overrun with deer. Like, to a nuisance degree. Uh, and so he was happy to let us come out there and uh, take a few out of the herd for him. 
So uh, we show up, and it's kind of it, it's your standard sort of lazy man's hunt, but it it was great where we you know set up a couple hay blinds on some of the most uh, popular fields, and we would go out before dark, sit in the blind, hunt the morning. We would go back to uh, a relative's house, take a nap, relax, head back for the evening, and we would do that all weekend. And so we show up for the morning and we glass some stuff up and we're, you know, some stuff happens, but, but nothing, nothing goes down. No, no shooters show up. We go back out for the evening and it's the, you know, late afternoon. We're kind of just getting all our gear put together. And I look out in this alfalfa field and I see just what looks like these giant antlers sticking up, which doesn't make any sense because usually they, they feed, they're feeding pre-dawn and we catch them as the sun rises on their way back out to the desert where they bed down and hide. And then they hop the fence and come back into the farm for some evening feeding. So at, you know, 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, there shouldn't be a deer lying out there in the middle of the alfalfa. But surely I'm looking at this and this doesn't look like kind of one of the little bushes that pops up every now and then. And I asked my father-in-law who I was hunting with, I was like, are those, do those look like antlers to you? And he pops up his binos and he's like, man, I think as we stared at it longer, we finally caught like a little bit of movement. Like, holy crap, there is a giant buck just lying there in the alfalfa. And so quickly we, we grab our stuff and, and we decide that our, our best play, because it's just, I mean, it's flat open farmland. We can't just run at them. Uh, is to hop the barbed wire fence into the desert, and there's this, like, berm we could kind of go down underneath. We could close some of the distance, pop back up, and we'll just uh, we'll just lay prone, like, right on the other side of the barbed wire fence. And uh, we just laid there thinking, okay, at some point he's going to get up and pee, and when he stands up, we'll, we'll take our shot. We had closed the distance to a couple hundred yards. And so we are, we're just laying there, and my father-in-law told me, he's like, okay, you're, <laughs> you haven't killed anything yet, so you get the first shot said, but if you miss, brace yourself for the sound of another shot because I'm shooting, <laughs> which is perfectly fair and actually a very smart way to approach it. So we're, we're just laying there, laying there prone and uh, watching these antlers. And, and sure enough, finally, the, the buck stands up to pee. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's game time. Like I had as we were laying there, I had finally gotten my breathing calm. And as soon as he stood up, heart rate through the roof, adrenaline, the whole thing. Uh, and so I'm sitting like, okay, trying to calm myself down, trying to breathe steady, remember all my fundamentals, do all of that, take aim, do all that, it, squeeze the trigger, it goes off, nothing. Deer, deer doesn't do anything. So as I was warned, I braced myself, and sure enough, my father-in-law shoots. I, I don't know what exactly happened uh, with him, but he missed as well. So I cycle the bolt and take aim again and squeeze the trigger, nothing happens to the deer. Uh, I'm getting just so frustrated, like, what is wrong with this rifle? Father-in-law shoots. He he misses as well. I, I again don't know what the, the man's a great shot. I don't know what was happening. Maybe he just used the wrong uh, bullet drop hash mark something. Uh, so while I'm sitting there frustrated, like trying. I put a third round in the chamber, but I'm trying to take extra time because I'm not sure what's going on with my rifle. The deer, for some reason, like hearing the sounds, but just sort of looking around, wondering what's going on. Uh, my father-in-law takes a third shot and just drops the thing immediately. Um, so like, yay, perfect, awesome, wonderful. We, we celebrate We're we drag the deer out of the field, kind of off to the, the farm road and, and we're sitting there working on him. And my father-in-law looks up from the deer and said, like, says, Eric, right. Just kind of makes a motion. And I turn around, here's this other giant four point buck. Who's walking across the field. Who's just looking at us, wondering what we're doing to his buddy, Ed. And, uh, so I, I leave my father-in-law with his deer, go and grab my rifle out of the Jeep, reload it. So I've got three rounds and I set up on this berm, uh, 
these deer, part of what makes made hunting this farm so unfair was that they're just used to human activity. Like it's an active working farm. So there's always machinery and farmers and irrigators and just people moving around. So at the sight of a person, they don't necessarily just bolt. So I set up uh, this berm. I'm, uh, I'm less than 200 yards from this deer. I've got a, a fresh three round magazine in my rifle. And so I, I double check the range and I hold steady and breathe slow and do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. Bang, bang, bang. I fire three shots. None of them touch the deer. And he goes finally running off into the desert. And so at this point, I realized like, okay, something is terribly wrong with my rifle. So we decided to skip the morning hunt the following day and, and head out to a spot where we could uh, re-sight in my rifle or figure out what's going on. And as we're out there, sure enough, like I'm having this, this inconsistency problem. Like out of, let, let's say, four shots, I'd have two that were, you know, within a couple inches and then two more that were just way off, maybe didn't even hit the paper. Like, I'm not saying I'm a sniper, but the, I mean, groups like that are just, that's a problem. And so I, I, I get it to where I think like, like I just want it so badly to work. And so I, I burned through a whole box of ammunition, just trying to get it sighted back in. Uh, my father-in-law kind of graciously the whole time saying, do you, do you want to use my rifle? Cause I'm obviously done. I'm tagged out. Like you can use mine. And, and this is the real lesson is I should have swallowed my pride, given up on this weird dream. I had that my new rifle is going to take down my first deer. But I said, no, no, no. It's, I, I feel like, like it's getting back in We're we're okay. It's, it's going to be fine. And so, uh, we go out that evening. We don't see anything the next morning. Uh, we come back and we're sitting in our blind and as the sun's coming up, uh, here we start to see this just herd of deer moving their way across the field and on their way back out to the desert and right standing on the actual farm road, which is just next to the barbed wire fence that they usually jump to go back to the, the forest is or the forest. This is a desert hunt into the desert. There's this big hardy four point buck just standing right there. Hey guys, this is Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors and producer of Hunting Stories. I wanted to thank Bun and Beanster for making this show possible. These guys are the real deal. Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a startup or running a side hustle like I am, they can help you with your branding, logo, easy to manage websites, and fresh creative ideas for your business. They can also help you look the part by helping you design those tricky one-off events. They deliver amazing printed goods, quality apparel, even signage. Truly a one-stop creative shop. And they stand by their work guaranteed. For free consultations and useful resources, go to bunandbeanster.com to check them out or catch them on Instagram at bunandbeanster. Now back to the show. And so range him, he's at 190. And so I set up, same thing, like, okay, here we go telling myself that the rifle is good, everything's going to be fine. And so I, I go to set up on him, and it turns out that we are we are facing due east, just based on the nature of where the blind was. And uh, the angle that I have, my scope is getting this insane amount of glare. So I can't, like, I set my cheek down on the, the stock where it's supposed to be, and I can't see anything. And so now I'm shifting all around awkwardly trying to, you know, if I moved my head, I could, I would see him clearly. And then if I move just a fraction more, like suddenly the glare's back. And so I'm trying to get this angle where I can see him through my scope and take a shot. And I finally get a, a, a clear line of sight on him through the scope, squeeze the trigger, miss. My father-in-law's watching the whole thing through the binoculars. So he's trying to call out which direction I'm missing. 
which is not really helpful because the first round is, okay, you missed right. I would try to adjust my my point of aim, fire again, uh, you missed low. Fire again, uh, you missed high. Like, it's just, it's all over the place. Three shots, this deer bounds over the, the fence and heads out into the desert. And so I'm just feeling, like, sick and disheartened, and I can't can't believe this is happening. And I start to scan the field, and there's still all these does moving along, and here's this other good-looking buck. He's, he's a three-by-four, uh, but thick and hardy and so he, he's still out there and the deer get like they're they're aware they're kind of like moving and nervous but they're not just tearing off and so i range him and he's at 225 i believe and so the the rifle i had had a three round detachable magazine uh and i had shown up that morning with two full magazines and two extra bullets. So I had eight bullets left after the previous day's sighting in expedition. And at this point, I had uh, I decided to leave with uh, leave the jeep with a full magazine and one in the chamber. I know it's not the safest, but it w- we're just walking a simple, well-maintained road into a blind. I decided to do it anyway. Uh, so I had four in the gun and a spare three in a magazine in my pocket. When we got all our stuff out, I looked at the box with the single extra round, and I thought, I don't, I don't want a loose bullet in my pack or in my pocket. Like, that's, who needs that? I'm not Barney Fife. Like, fine. So I just, I throw it back in the Jeep. Like, yeah, I'm not going to need that. Who's going to need more than seven rounds to bring down a deer? Honestly. So now... I have just fired three of them into the middle of nowhere, scaring a deer away. So I'm down to four rounds. So I take the, the magazine out of the, the rifle. It has one bullet still in it. Set it on the blind. Jack the fresh magazine. So now I've got four more rounds in the gun. He's ranged at 225. I put what should be the appropriate hash mark on him for my bullet drop compensating reticle. And I squeeze off a round, father-in-law through the binoculars. Missed low. Oh, God. Okay. Jack another one in. And he, like... I, I would shoot, he would trot a little bit, like, you know, move another 20, 30 yards and then stop. The does were kind of moving in and around him, and so I was just sitting there, like, trained on him, trying to guess how far he has moved each time, and waiting for the does to clear out of the way so I could have a clean shot. Finally, a, another clean shot presents itself, he's probably at 250. Take another shot on a different, like, at this point, I'm not even trusting my yardages, I'm just moving down, like, okay, I missed low, I'm gonna aim higher. And so I, I throw another one. He says, missed left, I believe. Like, oh, for crying out loud. I, I jack another one into the chamber. Slow my breathing. He's, he's moved. The does have moved. He's, you know, he's still sub 300, but he's out there. Squeeze the trigger. And I finally hear that thwack sound of a bullet impacting him. And so I'm like, oh, good. But I look through the scope and he has not dropped. Like, he's, he's, he's not running. He's just, just standing there kind of looking at me. So my father-in-law is watching. He's like, okay, you hit him, but he's not down. You, you need to shoot him again. So I jack another round. In, this is the last round in that magazine. Send it down range. Missed low. So now the gun is empty. I have one single round in the magazine next to me. I swap mags real quick. Put that last round in, and I'm thinking, this, this is the last bullet I have on me. All I have is this other one at the truck. Uh, I, I need to do this. Like this, this one needs to be the one. So... I slow all my breathing, slow everything down, line it up right on him, squeeze the trigger, and my father-in-law says, missed left. 
and I think, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm, I'm out of bullets. But because my father-in-law is just watching the whole thing through the binoculars, he has no idea what I've been going through over here. He wasn't watching me reload stuff. He, he's not keeping track. Like he just, he's just sitting there. And so through the binoculars, he's sitting there and I just keep hearing him whisper like, whenever you're ready, take your time. Whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. And I like, I can't think of like, how do I tell this man what's going on? So finally I'm just like, I, I, Neil, I'm, I'm, I'm out of bullets. He gives up on whispering and says, you're what? And I'm like, I, I, I mean, I have, I have one more bullet back at the Jeep. He's like, well, it looks like you're running to the Jeep. And so I leave my gear and my rifle all at the blind. He stays there, binoculars on this deer, just to keep an eye on him. And I grab the keys and run a half mile down this road to the Jeep. Uh, I, I'm not even going to run back. So I, I jump in, I start it up, I drive it back up by our blind where we are, hop out, grab that bullet grab my rifle and I think, okay, this is, this is literally the last rifle round I own at this point. So if, if this doesn't work, I, I have to run out in that field with my sidearm, John Wick style. Like it's, it's the only option. So I decide to, to leave the blind. He was, you know, close to 300 yards away and this rifle is just struggling. So I, I grab the round and the rifle and I jump down into the field, and there's kind of this this berm that's created by the the roads that crisscross through the fields, and so I just crouch down and creep up along this berm till I get to the edge of the field, where I can kind of pop up and range him standing out there, and he's at 160. So I think, okay, this is much closer. This is the last round. Make it count. So so I lay prone, and I'm I'm just taking all the time I can, like slowing my breathing, thinking through everything, making sure that I'm carefully squeezing, not jerking the trigger. And honestly, I'm praying, like God, please just send this bullet where it needs to go, because I know this deer is hit, uh, but I, I I don't want him to suffer, please. And so uh, finally, just slowly squeeze. The gun goes off. The deer drops immediately. And so just this huge wave of relief uh, just washes over me and I get up and I, I just walk, I, I made sure to like keep a picture of, of where he was like, you know, the, in a giant alfalfa field, it's easy to lose sight of where a deer goes. So I was paying attention to like what I could see in the distance behind him. So I could keep a straight line and I didn't even break to celebrate. My father-in-law was coming up behind me. I wasn't going to hug or high five. Like I just was, did not want to lose sight of the straight line I needed to walk to get to that deer. And came up on him, and, and the second bullet, I, I got to say because I was praying, uh, was just like dead square right where I wanted it. Uh, turned out the first one that hit him, I had gut shot him, which I feel terrible about. Uh, that he was standing there while I, like an idiot, was fishing for ammo and driving around and trying to trying to finish this thing. But the, uh, the, the first deer was finally down. We took the pictures. We gutted it out. We all that stuff and and it was delightful and those horns still hang on the wall uh in in the front room of my house just as a it's your first deer is always special uh i wish my story was a little bit cleaner uh but it's not and it's a it's a good reminder to uh first of all make sure you're confident about your gear and if you're not don't use it like if i could go back and do it all again i would slap myself for being so stubborn to uh, to have the nerve to use a rifle that was not working properly on live animals. Like, I, I admit you don't need to send me angry letters. I shouldn't have done that. I was a young new hunter, 
And now I know much better. I would not do that. I would absolutely take my take up my father-in-law and his offer to use his rifle, and it would have been a much cleaner experience. I've also learned to bring a little bit of extra ammo whenever you're out hunting. Um, I, I, again, won't be in that situation with a malfunctioning rifle, and I have since... Uh, I, well, I have a different rifle altogether, and the scope is mounted properly properly because I invested in that screwdriver you're supposed to use, and uh, and everything's fine. But I'm still not going out there with just, you know, well, the rifle holds three rounds, so I'm only going to need three rounds. Like, I will deal with the weight in my pack and bring more ammo than it seems like I would need just in case. Like, it, when in doubt, always bring the Barney Fife bullet. Which is a reference that, unless you've watched Nick at Night or old school TV for some reason, you're not going to know. It's the Andy Griffith Show. You should look it up. Barney had a bullet in his pocket because he wasn't allowed to keep his gun loaded because he was always having accidents. It was a different time in television. Anyway, we're off track now. That is the story of my first mule deer. We're going to keep stories coming your way. I'm going to be getting some guests on here very soon to share their stories because, oh man, I, I have... I can think of a couple of stories that buddies of mine have that are just so good and hilarious and wonderful. So uh, we're going to get them on, share these stories. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, leave a review. Uh, and if you've got thoughts or ideas, uh, hit me up on Instagram at late to the game outdoors or on the website, late to the game outdoors.com. And until then, we will see you all next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.